Let us pray. O Heavenly Father, your love came to us from heaven above and dwelled among us as your one and only Son. And so we come today, Lord, to consider him, how he came to be among us and how he never left. And as we do so, we ask, Lord, that you take the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart and make them wholly yours, that together we might actively listen and critically think as we consider the Holy Scriptures, all for the purpose of growing in the love of Jesus who first loved us. All these things I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, did you really see what just happened up here with the Advent candle? Can we just talk about that for a minute? And then, I, like, and I, I was up here, like, what you don't know is I was digging in, if you couldn't see, like, into the hot wax, trying to get it away from the wick. And so my hands are covered in wax, and I'm, so I think I get one going, but no, it decides to go out. So I go and I do the same thing to the other, and then, then it didn't want to work, so then I lit the first one. I walked away, and the second one starts lighting up, and then Amy, my wife, comes to the rescue here. So that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves and get beyond hope to peace. Well, that happened. Man. Well, that's probably going to be the funniest thing in this sermon, so. Advent. It begins the Christian calendar year. Advent means coming or arrival. And for Christians, it's a twofold season of waiting. See, we are no longer awaiting the birth of a Messiah. Instead, we're awaiting the return of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we await the second coming of Christ, we celebrate his first arrival by considering Hebrew scriptures that foretell of his birth. Likewise, each week of Advent, we move closer to Bethlehem by considering the gospel narratives that lead us to the manger. Now, the primary source for the events surrounding Jesus' birth are the gospels of Matthew and Luke. The gospel of Mark uh, skips the first 30 years of Jesus' life. It just gets right to the action. And that's because Mark's was the first gospel written. And it, it was written by Mark, a traveling companion of the Apostle Peter, who wrote down the sermons of Peter and created the first gospel. So Matthew and Luke, they used Mark's works as sources and they compiled additional information, including information about Jesus' birth and his relationship to the prophet John the Baptist. So it's not typically until Christmas Eve that we as Christians consider the perspective of the gospel of John. John's gospel doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph or shepherds and angels. The Christmas story found in John's gospel is decidedly different. The prologue to John's gospel is known as the incarnation. Incarnation means God incorporated in flesh. Now, the word incarnation occurs nowhere in Scripture. Rather, incarnation is a boundary doctrine of Christian theology. And here's what I mean by that. To be a Christian, one must believe that God, who is without origin and who created all things seen and unseen, became human in the person of Jesus Christ. And by the way, just because we believe that 
doesn't mean we can't have questions about it or even struggle with comprehending it. And the key verse of the incarnation and the one that we're going to be considering every week from now through Christmas is John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And the two key words there are word and dwelling. Logos is the Greek for word. And it means really in this sense that Jesus existed before existence. Skenuo is Greek for to dwell in a tent. And that means Jesus became human. He put on one of our human tents. See, Jesus, who always existed as the person of the triune God before he spoke creation into existence, fully participates in the realm of his own creation by tenting in human flesh. Now, I am fully aware that this sermon got real deep real fast. But if you'll hang with me, I I really want you to consider the incarnation of Jesus Christ because it is of the utmost importance to our faith, especially as we await Christ's return. Now, I really like the message paraphrase of this verse. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And I would add the following sentiment to that verse, and he never moved out. Jesus, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, moved into the neighborhood of humanity, and he never left. Jesus brought with him the solution to the problem of death. Adoption for us as children of God who never dies. John writes, yet to all who received him. To those who believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Listen. Jesus, the word from God that spoke everything into existence, became human by tenting in human flesh so that we might understand the fullness of God's love for us and receive the destiny That God desires for every single person. And that's eternity. We cannot achieve life after death on our own. Only the author of life can gift us with eternity. And he has through the person and the work of Jesus. The incarnation of Jesus, however, exceeds even the gift of eternal life. Jesus also brought with him the grace gifts of heaven to impart to us in this life. Gifts like hope, peace, joy, and love. The grace gifts of hope and peace and joy and love, that they existed before Jesus' incarnation. But they didn't become fully tangible until Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Now what do I mean by tangible? I mean you can perceive it. You can touch it. You can experience it. See, I've touched hope whenever I've held hands to pray. I've felt peace when we've been present for each other in our hard times. I've seen joy in the tears at a funeral because the saint's family on this side of death knows that a reunion will happen on the other side of death. 
And I've known, I've perceived, I have felt, I have seen, I have touched love through sacrificial service and hugs and handshakes and hard work and kind words and tough conversations and so much more. You see, from the cradle to the crucifixion, from the cave of death to the cacophony of a resurrection, Christ has tangibly been all in all. And He still is. Even when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Lord left something tangible behind. His body. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. So it only stands to reason that if Jesus is God incarnate by taking on human body, and we are his living body on earth, then doesn't that mean we incarnate Jesus to other people? See, we aren't traveling to the manger anticipating the birth of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We are traveling to the manger to celebrate that Christ the Lord is still with us. Jesus moved into the neighborhood 2,000 years ago and never left. Jesus is the light of our light and the hope of the world, even if many in the world do not understand the hope of Jesus. John writes of Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. John's words remind us that Behind light stands a reality, life. It's impossible for light and life to spring forth from nothing. Nothing begets nothing. Thus, in God alone, light and life has always existed. And it is God who created the light of life in people. But notice also that John addresses darkness. Because darkness is a reality That is to be taken seriously. But it doesn't have power over the light. Darkness is forced to deal with the light. Even if it doesn't understand the light. The darkness of the world was forced to deal with the light of Jesus' incarnation. The darkness did not understand Jesus, so it tried to extinguish his light, but to no avail. For that light of his incarnation still exists. Jesus continues, friends, lighting up the stories of our lives with hope and peace and joy and love. Jesus grows us in grace so that we might incarnate his life In our own. I love the words of John Wesley here. If you don't know who John Wesley is, we need to talk later. He says, We are to transcribe Jesus' life into our own. And so today we consider what it means to incarnate hope as a light in the darkness. Now, what is hope? I think probably in the simplest definition, I can say hope is the anticipation of a happy ending. Right? Have you ever noticed that I've never encountered a human being that's not hardwired to desire a story to have a happy ending? 
Hope is the anticipation of a happy ending. Hope in Jesus is the confident expectation that God will keep all his promises no matter our circumstances. Hear that again. God's going to keep all his promises no matter our circumstances. The Apostle Paul had a great deal to say about hope in all of his letters. In his letter to Titus, he offers what I believe is a wonderful definition of hope. He says, the hope of eternal life, which, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Before the beginning of time, God promised eternal life. That is the hope. Our hope is in life after death, which begins with life before death in Jesus' name. This is part of the light we've been gifted through Jesus' incarnation. In the darkness, the darkness doesn't understand it. But here's the thing. Here's the great thing. Darkness can't do anything about our hope. It's already incarnated. So darkness is forced to sit uncomfortably in the hope of our resurrection. See, hope is a gift given that grows stronger the longer we walk with Jesus. Paul writes in today's lesson, and we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his hope in his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Darkness doesn't understand why Jesus' followers rejoice in suffering, but we understand it because we know suffering is temporary. Because of the incarnation, we persevere when we walk with Jesus. And that grows our character in Jesus so that we make Jesus more tangibly known to others through our perseverance and suffering. And that results in even greater hope than the hope he already laid in us to begin with. And listen, hope in Jesus will not disappoint us because the Lord makes good on every promise, including and especially our resurrection. So I want to end today's sermon with a story. It's the story of Dr. Mary Castillo. Now, it was the year of our Lord, 1991, when a new kid moved to town and joined the high school band. Like me, he was a sophomore and he played trumpet, although I was quick to point out I was much better than him. His name was Jose. He and I became friends quickly. And I'm going to just abbreviate this by saying we got into a lot of trouble together. His father, Joe, was an artist and a graphic designer. He would go on to be on America's Got Talent, win fourth place. Jose had a younger sister named Maria. So it was Joe and Mary, the mom and dad, and Jose and Maria, the son and daughter. Now, Jose's mother, Mary, was a medical student at the Quillen College of Medicine at East Tennessee State University. She was 
38 years old when she enrolled in med school. The Castillos, they uprooted their lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, so that Mary could pursue her calling to be a doctor. And friends, when I tell you these people love Jesus, I mean they were sold out for Jesus Christ. They incarnated his light magnificently. Sometimes annoying to this Methodist, but magnificently now as I look back on their witness to me. And you need to know they were good cooks. I often found myself at the Castillo home eating their food, which I did for all of my friends as my gift to them. (laughs) And I want you to remember that detail because Mary always made sure others were taken care of, listen, no matter the circumstance. So as my friendship with the family grew, I came to know that Mary was a breast cancer survivor. Not once, but numerous times. Well, Mary graduated medical school in 1995. The cancer returned for a sixth time. Mary persevered through her suffering, rejoicing in Jesus as she did her oncology rotation while receiving stem cell treatment. She completed her residency, and she became a board-certified physician in the fall of 1997. She was able to fully practice medicine just a few short weeks before cancer would take her life. I remember going to visit Mary when she entered hospice care. I was 21. I wasn't really sure what I was walking into, but I loved Mary and I wanted to see her before she left this earth. And as I entered the room, she smiled beautifully. She had the most beautiful smile. She knew it was hard for me to be there. Now Mary at this point was still eating and drinking, up, talking, and I'll be honest, I noticed there was half a sandwich on the table next to her. But it wasn't any sandwich, y'all. This sandwich was from Heavenly Ham. And you may not know this, but the name says it all. Because a Heavenly Ham sandwich is just that heavenly. Now what do you think happened next? I mean, Mary had been feeding me every time I walked into her house since 1991. Mary asked me to eat the other half of her sandwich. Now, I got to be honest, like shame overcame my body. I'm like, Randy, don't you dare take that sandwich. This lady is literally dying right now, and she's offering you half her sandwich. If you do this, you might be the worst person in the world. But then... She looked at me and she grabbed my hand and she said, I want you to eat the other half of the sandwich. I can't eat it. So I did. (laughs) I did. The darkness of death may have been surrounding the house, but the light of hope was in that room and everywhere the Castillo family was. So I ate 
And I cried, and she assured me that all was well and that she would soon be with Jesus. And then she died on November 6, 1997. Her funeral was packed. An entire medical school, physicians, community members, high school band members, friends, family, everybody and their mama came to this funeral. And there was celebration. Celebration through tears for this beautiful 44-year-old physician who went on home to be with Jesus. There was celebration because of the remarkable faith of Mary Castillo, whose light shone brightly the hope of Jesus in the darkness of our world. Mary incarnated hope as a light in the darkness. She rejoiced in the hope of the glory of God. She rejoiced in her suffering. She persevered with Jesus while living out His call in her life. And her character of grace grew as a result. And her light, it burned brightly, even in death. And it still does because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And what was created in her name after she left this earth was a scholarship for the medical school for those interested in Christian medical missions. Friends, this is what it means to incarnate hope as a light in the darkness. Darkness won't understand, but rest assured, those who are walking in darkness will see the light and walk toward the hope. I know I did. And you are too. All because Jesus moved into the neighborhood and he never moved out. And this is the incarnation seriously considered this day for Calvary Church. All thanks and praise be to God who is with us. Amen.